It is so good to see you. I am glad you are well, and I'm glad you are here. It's good to see you today. Uh, before I read the scripture, I do just want to remind those who are a part of <clears throat> the Wednesday night group Abide that we had just gotten started and uh, missed last week. And I uh, just want you to know we're just going to um, pick up this week where we would have uh, been last Wednesday. We'll just go one week longer. Um, so, so you've had two weeks to do the one-week thing this time. So, uh, Our gospel reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The word of God for the people of God. When Sarah Miles was 46 years old, she wandered into an unfamiliar church where she had been invited. She ate a piece of bread, took a sip from the cup, and until that moment, she had had no interest whatsoever in religion. She grew up well off. She was well-traveled. She was quite liberal in all of her beliefs. She had never in her life said the Lord's Prayer. She had very seldom read any bit of Scripture. Her home was completely secular. And she was deeply skeptical of what she had seen in the church, especially its more fundamental fundamentalist versions. She had never been baptized. And on this particular Sunday, someone invited her to church. And for whatever reason, she decided to go. And she showed up. And at the end of the service, they, they invited her to the table. In her own words, and then something outrageous and terrifying happened. Jesus happened to me. <laughs> and she felt changed. And for the first time in her life, she believed that there was a God. And that she knew that God through Jesus. She wrote, I couldn't reconcile the experience with anything I knew or had ever been told. But neither could I go away. For some inexplicable reason, I wanted that bread again. I wanted it all the next day after my first communion, and the next week, and the next. It was a sensation as urgent as physical hunger, pulling me back to the table. What is it about a meal that touches us so deeply? What is it about eating a meal together that, that brings us together, that does something for us? You know, when, when we sit down together at a table and eat together, it makes us feel closer to one another. 
It makes us feel more like family. Uh, Nora Ephron uh, said that a family is basically a group of people who eat the same things for dinner. <laughs> uh, we, we get to know each other. And you know, psychologists have been saying for years that families that consistently eat meals together have healthier relationships than families who don't. There's just something about sitting down at a table together. And when someone invites you to their table, there's something special about that. That's an invitation to a little deeper intimacy than you had before. When somebody invites you into their home to sit down at their table and share their food, there's something special about that. You know, uh, solicitors, they don't get past the front door <laughs> or, or, or maybe the foyer if, if they make their way in. That's as far as they get. But, but a table, when you get an invitation to the table, that's a whole different level. You've been invited to be a friend. And, and what about the food we eat? I mean, we even call it comfort food. <laughs> and it really is comforting. It really is. I can tell you that if the vegetables have been freshly picked from the garden and the cornbread has been cooked just right in an iron skillet, I can close my eyes and the taste and the smell will take me back to another time, to another table where I was fiercely loved. Because there's just something about being around the table together that's powerful. And when I was a child, uh, sometimes friends and relatives would just show up unannounced. And if they stayed a long time, my mother would finally just say to them, why don't you just stay and have supper with us? And it was an invitation to come and be at the table and share a meal together. Well, today is World Communion Sunday. As Pastor Pam said earlier, it's a way we celebrate the fact that we have many Christian brothers and sisters who, uh, they may not be Methodist, but they're followers of Christ. And we understand that our tribe is bigger than just any one denominational label we try to put on it. And so we come here today to this table to be reminded that that's, that's who we are. And, and um, th this meal that we call the Lord's Supper or communion or, or Eucharist, what is it that makes this meal so special? What is it that changed Sarah Miles' life when for the first time she shared this meal? What was Jesus starting? I mean, why did he even tell us to do this? What was the point behind it? And one thing is for sure, Christians have always enjoyed eating together. You know, in the early church, communion was celebrated at the end of an actual meal. They actually came together and had, had supper together. And after they had eaten, then they, they had communion at the end of that meal. So they were used to coming together and sharing a meal together. Someone, you know, the, the eating together is an important part. Someone told me when I first became a Methodist, they said there's only two requirements to be a member of a Methodist church. 
One is to believe in Jesus Christ, and the other is to have a 9 by 13 inch pan. Those, those are the two most important things. Now, I'm grateful to Rachel Held Evans for getting me started down this road. Uh, years ago, I read a book she wrote called Finding Church. And I read this line. The first thing the world knew about Christians was that they ate together. And the more I thought about that, the more I realized how, how right she, she was. That was what Christians were known for. They were known for eating together. They were known uh, for sharing this common meal with one another in each other's homes and making sure everyone was taken care of. They were family. They were welcoming. They were encouraged. They encouraged one another. And when I started thinking about some of those things, I mean, there were some powerful feelings resonated inside of me. As you can probably tell, I love to eat I really do. I enjoy good food. Um, my patron saint is Julia Child. <laughs> and she had it right when she said, people who love to eat are the best people. <laughs> and I agree. I enjoy eating too much sometimes. But I love to eat. But you know something I've noticed is I love to eat with people. I love to sit down at a table and share a meal because when I have to eat by myself, it's not nearly as good. As a matter of fact, sometimes as much as I love to eat, I'll just skip it because it's not the same when you're by yourself. You know, it's a custom for the Pope to eat his meals alone. And when John XXIII was Pope, he was a very gregarious, outgoing man, and he absolutely hated that rule. And so he would often take his meal out into the garden and force the gardener to eat with him. Because <laughs> there's just something about sharing a meal together. There's something important that happens. And this meal brings us together as family. I think of that group that Jesus ate this first meal with. And boy, what a, what a crew that was. They were very different, different backgrounds. They were, they were an interesting family. I mean, some of them were, were fishermen. Some of them were tax collectors. Uh, some of them were revolutionaries. They had been zealots. And so the tax collectors worked for the Romans. The zealots looked for every opportunity to get rid of the Romans. I imagine Jesus probably sat them on different sides of the table when they ate together. But they were different. They had different political views. They had different cultural vantage points. They were different. But they sat down at that table, that one table together, and they ate together. And they were all welcome, every one of them. And they were all loved, even the one who would eventually end up betraying him. Our families, you know, are like that. In most families, everybody's not just alike. We don't all agree on everything. That's why when we get together at Thanksgiving, there's that rule that you don't mention politics or religion. Um, and even though he talks incessantly about his latest physical ailments, you still invite Uncle Bill. 
And sometimes you ask, why do we invite Uncle Bill? Because he's your mother's brother. That's why. And he's family. And I know it can be annoying sometimes. Well, all the time. But he's family. So we invite him. And I think every family has someone like that. If, if you can't think of anybody in your family who's always the annoying one, then I have some bad news for you. <laughs> you know, New Testament scholar N.T. Wright wrote, when Jesus wanted to fully explain what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give a theory. He didn't even give them a set of scripture texts. He gave them a meal. <laughs> a meal. In the 1940s, there was a young woman. She was African-American. She started attending an Episcopal church. Most of the people there were white, and this was in the Deep South. She invited her husband to come and attend church with her. Uh, or as her fiancé at the time. Now, in the, in the Episcopal Church, they share a common cup. Everybody comes up to the rail and drinks from the same cup. Um, I've had people ask me, would we ever do that in our church? And my answer is, sure, as long as I go first. <laughs> I have no problem with it. You can always tell the germaphobes because they're the ones elbowing everybody to get up here first. But in the Episcopal churches, it's one common cup. And when it came time for the Eucharist at the end, which they do every Sunday, they got up and walked to the front of the church and nailed at the rail. And, and you remember in those days, black people and, and white people weren't even allowed to drink from the same water fountain. They were segregated. And when they knelt down at the, at the altar, the priest gave each of them the cup. And he said, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve your body and soul into everlasting life. And her fiancé decided that day that if there was a church where everybody drank together from the same cup, they understood something, and he wanted to be a part of it. And they became very dedicated members of the Episcopal Church. I want to show you a picture, see if you recognize this guy. <laughs> Does he look familiar? That's uh, the most Reverend Michael Curry, who is the presiding bishop now of the entire Episcopal Church. You may remember him as the minister who officiated the royal wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, or <clears throat> Meghan Markle. The couple I was telling you about in the story are his parents. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That was his parents. And, and when speaking of communion, Reverend Curry says, it is a sacrament of unity that overcomes even the deepest estrangements between human beings. Jesus didn't say, here, believe this. Jesus didn't say, here, memorize this. <laughs> Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, 
You sit down at this table where everybody is welcome and you eat with everybody who shows up. That's what it means to follow me. And too often, you know, these days Christians are, are known for who and what we're against. We're seen as people who are guarding the gate, determining who gets in, who, who's out. And we let people know what's required of them if they want to get in. And unfortunately, that image is the opposite of the one Jesus gave us. He gave us the image of an open table where everyone is welcome. And we are invited to sit at that table and eat with people who are different from us because we all have one thing in common. We are all sinners saved by grace and that we have together. And that's what helps us love each other. And so this is what it means to follow Jesus. It means to come sit at his table that is open to absolutely anyone who's willing to come and be okay with that <laughs> and be able to eat together in spite of our differences because we love Jesus and each other. And when we eat this bread and drink from this cup, if you close your eyes, the taste and the smell will take you back to another table a long time ago where Jesus broke bread and blessed the cup and gave it to his disciples a table where they were and where we are fiercely loved. It's Christ's invitation to us. Why don't you just stay and have supper with us? The table is open.